Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. As we walk with God and we're engaged in the spiritual battle, but God is the one doing the fighting for us, then you look back and just think, man, I've never lost when I've submitted to God. I've never lost when God has been before me. There's never been a time where God led me out to, to battle and then left me there to die. And so there should grow in the heart and the life of the believer great confidence in God. Amen. Great confidence that we'd be ready to move forward and do great things, greater things, because I look backward and say, man, God has been so faithful. What does it mean to be confident, to be assured in your own choices and decisions, to not look back and regret, to know that you'll do the right thing when the situation arrives? But Pastor Bill reminds us today that while self-confidence is untrustworthy, confidence in God is always true. When you have the God of the universe on your side and you know He loves you and will take care of you, what can go wrong? God won't let you down because his intentions for you are even better than the ones you have for yourself. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 3 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. When they train the police dogs, they take them from a puppy and they have all these rules. They only take them from breeders that are breeding for them. They won't take them from any regular breeders. The rules are like this. That dog can never have ever been hit in his life. Never been hit. And from the time that they're tiny and harmless, they start them on the bite, you know, where they, they, they send them on a chase to bite, and they make sure that they win every battle. So this dog has never been hit, never been hurt, and he's never lost a battle. Every time he bites, he wins. Every time he chomps, they fall. And they train him and train him. A dog gets bigger and bigger and more confident and more confident. And so by the time these dogs are, are ready to go out with their personal patrol, this is a dog that's never lost a battle. And now that they've grown into their adulthood, they've never lost a battle. Now they won't. They refuse. They won't lose a battle now. It's like, no, I don't lose. I just win. And they can get shot and they keep going. They can be hit and they keep going because in their mind it's been trained that I don't lose. I only win. That's why they won't let you. You'll never see them hit their dogs. You'll never see them physically discipline them. They'll use certain methods to train them, but they won't do anything like that because they want that dog to be absolutely confident. Now, don't be offended. I'm liking none us to dogs. So we're like that, right? In, in the same way as we walk with God and we're engaged in the spiritual battle, but God is the one doing the fighting for us, then you look back and just think, man, I've never lost when I've submitted to God. I've never lost when God has been before me. There's never been a time where God led me out to, to battle and then left me there to die. And so there should grow in the heart and the life of the believer great confidence in God. Amen. Great confidence that we'd be ready to move forward and do great things, greater things, because I look backward and say, man, God has been so faithful. And even though warfare kicks up, it's, it's a war is going to be won, right? Not my might, you know, not by might, not by power, but it's by his spirit, says the Lord. God's going to do it. And so I, I encourage us, I challenge us that if we're not a part of what God is doing, right, if you just kind of an attender or a watcher or an observer, I, I, I encourage you to get involved. It may be that you enter into the battle through prayer. It may be that you enter into the battle through sowing and, and watering. All of us should be doing that. It may be that you enter in through service of some sort, but you, you want to be a part of what God is doing. And it, we should count it a great privilege that God says, hey, I, I want to use you guys, right? That I would use you to sow and water, that I want to use you to be a part of what I'm doing. And so 
But at the end of the day, it's God that's got to do the greater work. One soul, one water. But he says God gives the increase. So then neither he who plants is anything nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Now he who plants and he who waters are one. And each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. And so now he, as he's dealing with their lack of unity, remember they were divided over, I'm from Paul, I'm from a place. He says, you guys, he who sold and he who waters are one. Paul said, look, me and Apollos, we're not battling one another. We're the same. Right? I'm sowing, he's watering, but, but God, we're looking for God to give the increase. We're working together. We're not at war. Be mindful, be cautious, Christians, about being at war with ourselves. Unity is, it's, it's worth, it really is something worth fighting for in the body of Christ. Because whenever Satan gets us turned inward at one another, you can, you can be sure that we're having zero impact out there, right? When, when I've turned inward and I'm fighting with people at church, then, there, then I'm, I, I surely am not doing that. I'm, my impact in the world is removed. Um, when I'm battling with other Christians, I'm fighting other believers and I, the battle is lost. Now, where is my outside influence? Just, we're, we're, we're fighting one another. So we want, we want there to be unity, something that we would, we would battle for, we would fight for. As I was contemplating this and looking at this, because again, he's speaking to them. This is what they struggle with. Paul isn't beating them up. Paul is seeking to build them up, teach them how to do better. As we look at how to do better, a lot of times, um, and this, I've done this as well, when I'm like, man, I'm going to do better in something. What we do in our humanness is we start making all kinds of commitments. It's going to be all over the TV this week. You know, the Dr. Oz and this person and go on this thing and it'll be on social media. There'll be all these things for you to commit yourselves to. Um, anybody here that's done this where you start trying to govern your spiritual life or some aspect of your life by making new rules and new guidelines to, to follow? What happens ultimately? You just fail. You fail. You make a whole bunch of rules and it looks really good and you organize it. I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this and I'm going to not do that and I'm going to not do that. And da, 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 da. you get all that together and it feels great until you blow it. Right. And then you blow it and then you're like, man, and then it's out the window and you might try it one more time and then you just quit. And so I'm, I got a better plan for you guys. Right. A little better, a little better, more, more effective. It's, it's uh, this has a this has a fighting chance. So I don't encourage that we make a whole bunch of new plans, a whole bunch of new commitments. You know, I'm going to really, this year, new year, I'm going to really, ooh, that I'm going to do anything, right? Rather than all your energy and effort going into you doing something more, I have found and am finding this, that victory comes through surrender and submission. Amen. And it looks a lot different, right? You know, if I go in the energy of my own flesh, I am going to do this. I'm going to do this better. And I, I might do okay for a little while, but the energy of my flesh is not enough. And even if it's motivated to do the right thing, it's just weak. Flesh is weak. The spirit indeed is willing. Jesus told Peter, but what did he tell him? The flesh is weak. And then he told him, he gave Peter this supernatural hint from heaven. He said, Peter, the spirit is willing. The flesh is weak. So pray. Right? Don't do. Just pray. You need there to be supernatural help. You need me to get involved. There's something you need from me. And so pray. Don't go do something else. Peter got up and chopped the ear off because he didn't pray. And God says, no, Peter. He took the dude's ear and sold it, put it back together. And he lived by the sword. He died by the sword. That's not what we do, Peter. Right? But that's, how, that's what we'll do, right? We'll be, we'll be all in our own strength and we'll be chopping off people's ears and making messes. And God's like, that's not what I want. I don't want that. You should have prayed. You knew what to do. And so this is what I would suggest. 
Two verses I want you to write down. They're both in Philippians. Write down Philippians 1.6 and then write down Philippians 2.13. I want to read these to you guys real quick. Philippians 1.6. Just side note, this letter Paul wrote from prison. Um, so, you know, he's, he's in a prison uh, for obeying God. And he writes this letter to the church in Philippi to encourage them. It's a letter about joy and overcoming and perseverance in the midst of difficulty. And just wanted to note that Paul is speaking what he's doing. But Philippians 1, 6, he says this, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. He who has begun a good work in you will complete it. Who's doing the work? Who began the work? Who's going to bring it to completion? And so, as you look at that, you think, wow, so many times the way I try to get it going in my walk with God is I try to start doing. But God says he's the one doing it. He began it. He's going to be the one to complete it. He's going to bring it to pass. Amen. How does that happen? How does it how does it get brought to pass since God started it? How does it get done? How does God be the how, how does that work out? It's as we yield. It's not it's not through the energy of your flesh. It's not through you doing more. It's, it's simpler than that. It's just as we yield to God. Overall, what does that look like? It's just a, it's an ongoing yielding to God. It's, it, be, it could be yielding to the voice of the Holy Spirit that's speaking to you in the morning to get up and pray. It could be yielding to the voice of God that's speaking to you through the word, something to do or to stop doing. It's just yielding to God day by day. Yielding to God for me today may look different than yielding looked at yesterday. There are things that God was saying yesterday that they may, he may lead me in some other directions, but it's just yielding. It's the attitude of heart that says, God, I'm just, I'm, I'm just yielded to you. I'm, I'm not doing my own thing. I'm not running my own show. God, I'm yielded to you, whatever you want, whatever you want. I'm humbled. I'm yielded. I, I submit to you, Lord. Look at Philippians 2.13. It says, therefore, it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Once again, you see that the energy of the one doing it is God. God works in you to want to do, to will to do, and then to be able to do for his good pleasure. God says, I'll work it out in you. I'll be at work inside of you for you to want to do and to be able to do the right things. Again, the energy is his. And so what I would encourage all of us, and there may be commitments and things that you're, you're looking at, I'm, I would encourage one thing. That if we could commit to one thing this year, that it would be to be yielded to God like never before. To just to yield to God, not, not to put a whole lot of energy and effort into doing my own thing or trying to manage my flesh, but just to say, God, I'm, I just want to yield to you. I've, I've resisted. Whenever I'm sinning, I'm resisting God. There, you know it takes energy to fight against God. And so some of us, that's where our energy has gone. We've been using energy to resist him, to fight against him, or using our energy to, to do our own thing. And God is saying, would you just yield to me? Just let me have my way in your life. Just let me do what, what let's just, do, just, just, just yield. And, and I, I would give this illustration when, when um, my kids were little, and I, I would put my head on their heads when we walk. And, when, you know, when kids are little, you just can turn them wherever you want, and they just, is walk through the mall and they, they just turn, you turn them and they turn around and it's just a fun little game. You just control them. But when they get a little older, and I remember this, my daughter's getting a little older and it's my hair, it's not my hair. Necks get stiff. Stop, dad, stop. You know, and it's like, that happens. They, they, you know, it's like, it's, they can't do it no more. I can't just grab the head and just turn it wherever I want. Not willing to yield anymore. So spiritually speaking, that's what it's like. God is saying, I want to just take you and just, just guide you. Yeah. 
I'm, I'm, I got good plans for you. But some of us are like, you know, teenagers. And we stop, stop touching me. You know, we, we won't yield. And we, we harden our hearts and we stiffen our necks. What I'm encouraging us as we look into a new year is that we would be yielded to him. Right? This Corinthian church wouldn't be carnal if they were yielded to the Lord. And you and me, right, we would be making progress. We'll make greater progress this year if we yield to the Lord. We just say, God, I'm going to just yield. I'm going to yield to you. Show me what's wrong. And that'd be a great place to start. You know, as we move toward a new year, God, show me what's not. Show me what's not pleasing in my life. Show me the things that you want to deal with or just show me. And then I I yield. I don't want to fight you. I'm just going to yield. What would all of our lives look like if, if we took the next year and just yield it to God. Just let God have his way. What would it look like? What would this church look like? What would be different in the community? What would be different in our homes? Like, what would be different if all of us people here just said, you know, I'm going to yield. This year, my goal, I got a goal in life, is to yield to God. I want God to have his way. I don't want to have my way. I want God to have his way. I believe it would be tremendous what God would do. And so that's my encouragement to us. I got a, a few more verses, and then I want to I wanna close with something. So... Verse 9 again says, for we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, and you are God's building. And so he's going to talk next, we'll look at it next week about, um, he uses the analogy of, uh, of the farmer, but he also uses the analogy of a building. Um, and we know as New Testament believers, we are the house of God. Uh, we are where God dwells. We are his house. And he goes on to speak about the foundation that, that God lays. But I wanted to close with this, and um, I just was thinking about this, different persons, different people in the scriptures that were yielded. Uh, They weren't resisting God. They were people that matured. They were people that went on and made progress in the Lord. There are people that we find in scripture that didn't make progress. They didn't go forward. God came after them. God made himself available and they just didn't progress. They didn't go anywhere. I look at all the disciples and how close they were, the proximity to Jesus that they were. You think that that would be a a really, really, really solid group of believers. But among them, you had Judas. I mean, could you be any closer to Jesus and not get it? He couldn't be any closer, right? He was so close. No progress. Didn't get there. Never yielded to the Lord. But then I look at a lot of people in scripture and I look at them and they were great and we remember them for great things. And I look at what they did and many times it was just yielding. Abraham, you know, there were many times in Abraham's life where God told him, you know, I want you to leave your home, leave your country, leave your, leave everything. I'm going to take you to a place I will show you. And as he obeyed, for the most part, there were some areas where he had to be dealt with. God made him a great nation. Uh, Along the way, God asked him very difficult things. Um, you guys remember God told Abram, I want you to take your son, your only son, Isaac. I want you to offer him to me. And again, I, I read that story and I just think that's a hard thing for God to ask. Oh, no. But God knows that for some of us, our kids have become our gods. And he's saying, give them to me. Right. When it was all done, God didn't harm Isaac. God said, I just want to just I just want to make sure that you love me more than him. And so for some of us, maybe that may be where the Holy Spirit wants you to yield. Maybe your kids. Not that you don't love them, but you love them more than him, right? You'll sin against God to do for them, to do what they want. Uh, and God wants you to love him above everything, above your kids. For some of you, that might sound like, that's terrible. But doesn't the God that love you love your kids? Yes. Amen. But Abraham yielded, and in his yielding, nothing happened to his son. There was a ram in the thicket, and God provided for himself a sacrifice that day. And they went on back home to mom, and Abraham knew that they would. 
and everything God promised came to pass for Isaac. But he yielded. What if he had not yielded? Story, I don't know what that story would look like, but it looks the way it looks because he yielded. And that's why Abraham was great and God could make a great nation of him because he yielded. Next person I thought of was Joshua. Joshua's one of my favorite characters in scripture. And I look at, you know, especially the, the, the early part of Joshua, when you look at his nature was that he was very timid and scared. And God had to kept encouraging him, be of good courage, be strong and courageous. You only say that to someone that's weak and scary. Be strong and courageous, you know, so forth and so on. And when Joshua got ready for that battle in Jericho, God gave him the most unique battle plans that you find in the Bible. Crazy, right? How are you going to take Jericho? It's an impregnable city. No one's ever been able to get into it. Why is that my first battle? I, you know, but anyway, guys, I'm starting you there. And he's, guys, what you're going to do? You're going to march around six days in a row. Quiet. Tell everybody, shut up. Don't say nothing. On the seventh day, you're going to march around seven times. Everybody's going to shout. Have the, the guys blow the instruments and the wall's going to fall down. Y'all going to take the city. And Joshua's like, cool. And he went, got all his troops together, told his men to sit down. And he told them what God said. And everybody, he just yielded. How many of us, if God said something crazy like that, would you be like, I don't think that was the Lord. You know, I'm going to pray about that. How, how quick would we be to, to, in obedience, tell everybody else, you know what, this guy's going to sound, I don't even know if he opened up like that. This is what the Lord said we're going to do. But he yielded, and because he yielded, we have the story of Jericho, this great victory. But what happens if he doesn't yield? I don't think we have the story of Jericho. It won't be like it is. It's the way it is because someone yielded to God. Someone said, okay, God said do it like this. That's how we're going to do it. There was uh, Elisha. There was a widow. Um, and I don't have time to go to her story. It's in, um, in Kings, I think chapter 5. But there was a widow. And she had lost everything. Her husband had died. And her husband had been also a prophet. And so Elijah, they knew, her, they knew him. And she was there with her sons. And the creditors were coming to take her son. Back then, if you were in debt... You know, you had sons, they would come and your sons would be taken as slaves. And so, you know, that's how they would, you know, settle it. So they were coming and she went to see the man of God for what to do. And he gave her a really interesting instruction. He said, you know what? What do you have in the house? I just got this one little jar of oil. It's the last thing we have. We're going to make our last meal. And that's it. That's all I got left. He says, take that jar of oil. He says, leave that here. I want you to go to all your neighbors, go to all the community, gather as many jars as you can, jugs and jars. Get as many. He said, and don't get just a few. And I look at that story and think, if she had not taken him serious and went and just said, this is crazy. Give me a couple of jars. What is he going to do with these? But she went and got as many as she could, like he told her. And she came home and he said, okay, now take that little jar that you have and start pouring it into other ones. And it filled up every jar that she had collected. He said, now take that, sell it, pay your debt, and live off the rest of it. And I look at that story and I think, that's crazy, right? All I got is a little jar. You telling me to go ask all my neighbors? How many of you guys like to go ask your neighbors for stuff? I want you to humble yourself. I want you to go ask your neighbors to borrow jugs and jars, as many as you can get, right? Don't get just a few. Go all out. She yielded to that request, and it ended her debt, and it took care of her needs, and it kept her kids intact. Some of us, right, when it comes to our resources, there are things that God is prompting you to do, telling you like, no, I can't do that because I don't have enough. I can't do this and you don't trust God. As she yielded to the Lord in that, God took care of every need that she had. It was supernatural. And that's how God wants to do it. God wants us to be yielded to him. She yielded. And God took care of her needs and her sons and her kids. In Luke 5, Peter was the fisherman, right? That's what he was proficient in. That's what he was good at. He had went out. It says that he had toiled all night and caught nothing. Anybody that goes fishing, 
That's a bum trip. When you go out and fish and you come back and you don't have nothing. Nobody's happy. Everybody's like, man. It's like, and back then it wasn't like for us. When we fish, we take a pole, we throw it out, let it sit there, you can hang out, talk. And back then, when they fished, they had one guy rowing, they had a big net, and the guys were holding nets and rolling the nets up, and it was laborious. So to do that all night and you got nothing, not one fish, you ticked off, tired. They came back. Peter had just finished washing out the nets and was ready to go home and say, we just had a bad night. And the Lord showed up and said, hey, I want you to go back out and throw the net on the other side. Now, mind you, right? Peter's a fisherman. He could have said, Lord, look, you, you stick to the preaching thing. This fishing thing, Lord, I know this fishing thing. You, you know preaching. I know fishing. Ain't no fish out there. He didn't do that. He said, Lord, we toiled all night and caught nothing. But he said this, nevertheless, at your word, we'll let down the net. And I've always thought it was interesting. You go read that in, in, in Luke 5. Jesus told him to let down the nets. He let down the net, plural, singular, and then the net broke. And they filled up two boats full of fish with the net. And the catch was great. And he came back and he was humbled and he knew that it was the Lord he was dealing with. But, but in that story, right? Again, you have a man that just yielded. Yielded to God in, in some area where he thought he knew. Some of you, there are things that God is wanting to, to get through, but you know too much. You think too highly of yourself and your area of expertise, and so you won't hear God. Holy Spirit could be nudging you. I want, I want you to do it like this. You're like, no, I, I, this is how that's to be done. I read a book on it. That's serious for somebody. That you know so much that the Holy Spirit can't tell you to do it different. And so Peter yielded, right? Yeah, he knew fishing. Yeah, that was his area of expertise. But Lord, if you say... Do it like this. I don't care what the books say. I don't care what the master fisherman says. If that's what you say, then nevertheless at your word. And some of us in this new year need to yield like that. God, I, I, whatever I know is I'm a yielding at your word. If you say this, Lord, then that's what I'm going to do. I trust you. Yield it. And the last one is uh, over in Acts 8, Philip. Philip was jamming. He had a great ministry going. It was people coming, people getting saved, people getting delivered. All these things were happening. And God said, Philip, I want you to leave and go to the desert. And Philip got up and went to the desert. And as he was there in the desert, the, the chariot came by. He said, now go and overtake the chariot and share. And it was just immediate submission to what God said do. And it was leaving behind, right? There was something he was already doing that seemed like it was great. And God said, leave that and go do this. And he didn't think about it two minutes. He just went. Even though to natural eyes looked like things were jamming right here, God was saying go. And so he's a great example in not leaning to our own understanding, but in all our ways acknowledging him. And he'll direct our path that we wouldn't make decisions by evaluating circumstances, that our decisions would be made through prayer. That, Lord, even though everything looks like this to my eyes, if you're saying something else, then what you say goes. I'm leaning not to my own understanding, but I'm all my ways I'm acknowledging you so that you can direct my path. Amen? And I'd like to close with this verse. It's uh, Galatians 5. And I think if we, if we, if we live like this in, this in this new year, it'll be awesome for you individually. It will glorify God. It will be a blessing for this fellowship, this church, and all that God wants to do. And in Galatians 5, 16, Paul says there, I say then, walk in the spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And as we talked about yielding, that's how you walk in the spirit, just yielding to the voice of the Holy Spirit throughout every day. No lists, no, no list of rules and regulations and new commitments and goals. If there's a goal, 
Just yield to God, I'm gonna yield to you. I'm not gonna make my own rules and my own list for me to follow. The one rule of my heart will be that I'm gonna be ruled by you, that you will genuinely be the Lord of my life. First Corinthians touches on how the city of Corinth was rampant with idolatry and immorality, not too different from cities of today. Does this mean that you run away and isolate yourself from the sinful world? No, but Paul's letter did communicate that as a Christian, it's important to live a life that's upright and pure before God, even in the midst of a dark and sinful world. When the pressure is great, your opportunity to contrast the dark with light can be even greater. How does one do this with all the influences pressing in? Keep looking to the Word of God for direction in all things. If you're seeking some assistance with where to read, we have a helpful Bible reading plan on our website. This can be a useful guide to help you explore the Word on a daily basis. Look on our website, CalvaryInglewood.org. Thank you for tuning in today to A Transforming Word. Next time, Pastor Bill will continue teaching through 1 Corinthians. Before we go, we'd like to ask you to prayerfully consider supporting this ministry financially. Any amount is appreciated. These teachings are broadcast on the radio and help spread the good news of the gospel. That's a powerful thing. If you'd like to find out more about how to support A Transforming Word, go to CalvaryInglewood.org or donate through our app. We're so thankful for your support and more than anything, we hope this ministry has been and continues to be a blessing to you. We look forward to joining Pastor Bill again next time right here on A Transforming Word. Transforming Word